listening to the Skylight Books podcast series. We are a general interest independent bookstore located in the Los Feliz neighborhood of Los Angeles, California. This year, because of the coronavirus pandemic, we've had to close our store and cancel in-person events. But Skylight is your neighborhood bookstore, and we are finding ways to create community even while we're far apart. In the coming weeks, we'll be putting out lots of new audio content to help you discover new books, connect with authors, and check in with your favorite booksellers. To learn more about how you can help keep Skylight alive, please visit our website at skylightbooks.com or check out our social media accounts on Twitter and Instagram. You can subscribe to the podcast on Podbean, iTunes, and Spotify. Thank you for listening and enjoy. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Hansel series of the Skylight Books podcast. This is the fifth episode. Uh, I'm your podcast producer and host, Mick Kowaleski, alongside my co-host. Maddie Gobo, events manager. Maddie, it's been a big week. Oh, my God. Real week. <laughs> what a week. What a week. All the planets are in retrograde. Everything's a mess. Everything's a mess. I mean, that's this is the slogan for the year 2020. Yeah. Uh, but this week in particular has been pretty busy for us at Skylight. Yes. Um, we are attempting to get the store back online and semi-functional in a bigger capacity, what with the relaxing of social distancing measures here in LA. And relaxing is maybe a strong word, but it's relaxed enough that we're getting people back into the store. We're in phase two now, Mick. We're in phase two. Phase two. <laughs> Wooey. So one thing I'll say off the bat, and this is to the listeners, is that we appreciate all of your support that you've given to Skylight during these difficult times. Uh, appreciate the gift card purchases and the online orders and just basically the, you know, votes of support that you've given us. We're going to ask that you continue that, and uh, specifically, we ask for a lot of patience in the next couple of weeks, because, Maddie, we're doing something that we've never done before, and this is all very overwhelming to everyone, Yes, and we're going to do our best, but it's not, it might not be the cleanest <laughs> process for a while, yeah? Yeah, it's, it's going to be messy. So our, our plan is that we're going to reopen for um, curbside pickup and online orders that we will be processing ourselves. So they'll no longer be coming from our wholesale distributor, which will hopefully mean that you'll be able to get your books faster um, mm -hmm. and without so many confusing delays. Um, but yeah, there's a lot of moving parts to that. And um, you know, some of the biggest struggles are reconfiguring our store so that we can all work safely. Um, you know, it's one big room. 
and mm -hmm. uh, we are all going to be breathing the same air and we need to figure out good pathways so that we can retrieve books from the shelves without bumping into each other and we're not sharing workspaces there's just a lot to think about and to sort out and to talk about um, before we are going to be ready to open and then when we do open you know who knows what's going to happen? Um, we're going to try to come up with a good and clear procedure that we can communicate to you, but we know there are going to be hiccups. So just keep that in mind. Um, we're, we're really doing our best. We really do want to serve you. We want to get you back in the store as soon as mm -hmm. we can, but we also, it's very important to us to keep our staff safe. Um, and, yeah. and that's got to be our priority. So just please keep that in mind. If you're frustrated, if you you don't know where your order is, if uh, you have questions that aren't being answered super quickly, um, just know that we're dealing with a lot of stuff right now and we will get to you and we will help you and we want to be there for you, um, but it's just going to take some time. Definitely going to take some time. Just, you know, there are going to be, it's going to be a little trial and error for the first week and a half, two weeks, maybe longer. I, I don't feel comfortable picking a point in time where I'm going to be like, oh, things are definitely running smoothly. And I don't think anyone at Skylight or across the country can actually <laughs> do the same. So yeah. Uh, again, love you guys. Appreciate the support. Just keep supporting us. And uh, a really great way to do that is just stay and chill. We're just all going to try and stay chill as much as we can. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, we can move on to, I think, the episode now that we got that out of the way. Uh, okay. Pretty cool episode. I mean, we've got, we talked a little bit about what Skylight's going to be doing over the next couple of weeks, but we're going to get uh, Mary in to talk about, I think that in a little bit greater detail. Yeah. Yeah. She's also going to talk about two new uh, sort of fundraising campaigns that we've launched in the last week. Um, one of which is a bonfire t-shirt fundraiser. So um, our Coworker Frida designed a really cute uh, book cat t-shirt starring mm -hmm. our bookstore cat Franny, um, which you can find on bonfire.com slash skylightbooks. 100% uh, of those proceeds go to us. And um, I mean, Mary will tell you more. And then the other thing is uh, we've launched an Indiegogo campaign and we're partnering with some really cool organizations to get books to readers in need. And Mary will tell you more about that too. Sweet. And then we've got uh, Ingrid for our weekly book recommendation. And then Maddie, you're going to be coming back with a pretty cool conversation. Yeah, uh, this week I talked to a bookseller named Liz from East Bay Booksellers up in Oakland. Um, I used to live really close to this bookstore. It's where I discovered Brian Evanson and uh, a lot of other great writers from small presses and, and writers in translation. Um, they're just a fantastic, fantastic store. And um, I really wanted to talk to Liz because uh, I think the East Bay Booksellers crew is well known in the bookstore community for their kind of strong online voice. Um, they're very, they're very direct and they're very honest and their booksellers are, um, are, are right out front and center um, in a lot of the debates that we're having right now about the industry. Um, and, and Liz, I think, has a lot of really fascinating and thoughtful things to say um, about the craft of book selling and also kind of about some of these larger industry issues. So I'm, I'm excited for you guys to hear that. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. Definitely a must listen episode. I think if you're a fan of Skylight and or indie book selling in general. Um, all right, so we can get to it. But first I want to know, Maddie, have you been reading this week with all the craziness? 
Mick, I haven't read a single page of anything all week. I'm so embarrassed. Uh, I Don't be embarrassed. Look, look. Everyone's got those moments. Booksellers are people too. We don't have to be reading all the time. It's fine. <laughs> what have you been doing instead? Uh, I, oh God. I mean, yeah, I didn't intend to confess this, but I, I have been very involved in watching the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills for the first time. Um, I'm just, I'm captivated. I, there's like a whole sort of lesbian fling thing happening between Carlton and Brandy right now that has, has just got me glued to my screen. Um, I, I, it's fantastic. So, you know, I, I will get back to books, I promise. Just right now I've been uh, distracted by some very shiny objects. <laughs> there was a great article, I can't remember God, I can't even remember who posted it, but there was a really great article about how it's difficult to read in general right now. So I think you can enjoy your escapism guilt-free. I yeah. hope you are. <laughs> I, oh, I, I am. Uh, <laughs> the other thing that I've been doing this week is um, I'm trying to uh, create a hummingbird colony on my balcony. I just want as many hummingbirds hanging out with me as possible. Um, so I've been, I've been like studiously refilling the hummingbird feeder and I, I do yoga out there in the morning and I've just been like doing these long meditations where I lay on the balcony and just wait for the hummingbirds to appear and hover over me and bless me with their adorableness, um, which that's, I feel has been a good use of my time. That's an incredible use of your time. There's nothing more calming and sort of just like, fill, just like fills you with the joy of the natural world whenever there's a hummingbird around there's like no greater sight they're magical how are they so tiny how are their feet so tiny it doesn't make sense <laughs> too cute too cute <laughs> mick what well, are you reading um so i just about finished uh Yajasi's transcendent kingdom um in the meantime i kind of needed it's it's a weird thing try like in such a dark time something that's been very comforting to me has been going into an even darker space so that when I come out, I'm like, oh, it's not that bad. Uh, so I'm reading, uh, rereading Truman Capote's In Cold Blood, a classic. And um, I know that there are a lot of true crime aficionados out there. And this is the godfather of, I think, the modern true crime I don't know. Just, I don't want to call it a fad, the pop the genre, I guess. Genre. Yeah. 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 The true crime genre. So um, it's an amazing book. I think Capote just, I mean, it's a classic. I don't really need to spend time convincing you to read it, but it's <laughs> been, it's been sort of therapeutic and cathartic in a weird way. But Are you and Sydney reading it together? Cause I know she just started it too. No, we started it separately actually oh that's so cute yeah, i love I that synchronicity yeah but yeah texting about it for sure but uh yeah it's uh it's getting me through get me through the week get me through the week <laughs> all right maddie well thank you for joining me once again thanks mick and uh we'll see you in a bit for your conversation uh thanks everyone for listening stay chill out there uh see you next week Hello, this is Mary, the general manager here at Skylight Books. This has been a busy week. We launched two fundraising campaigns on Tuesday. One is pretty straightforward. We're selling limited edition Skylight Books t-shirts 
designed by our very own Sidelines Buyer Frida for a short time through the fundraising website bonfire.com. The more t-shirts we sell, the more funding we get. To order your t-shirt, go to bonfire.com and search for Skylight Books. We also launched an Indiegogo campaign. This campaign has two main goals. First, we've included an option to donate directly to Skylight Books. 100% of those donations will stay with us to pay our rent, vendor invoices, utilities, and other bills while we're shut down. Second, we've provided options to donate books purchased through Skylight to children and adults who have lost access to books entirely now that schools, libraries, and bookstores are all closed. We're partnering with two organizations, the Los Angeles Public Library's Street Fleet, which delivers free books to unhoused Los Angeles residents in temporary COVID-19 shelters, and Punk Rock Martha's, a great local nonprofit that so far has put over 1,100 books in the hands of children and young adults via the grab-and-go free lunch program and the food pantry at St. Francis Center. When you choose these donation options, your money will pay to buy books from us, which these organizations will put in the hands of readers in need. And, on top of all that, we're gearing up to reopen for curbside pickup on Wednesday, May 20th. Starting Wednesday, we'll be allowing curbside pickup from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. every day for orders placed online or over the phone. We'll also be taking order fulfillment for our website orders back into our own hands after two months of sending all those orders to our largest book distributor for them to fill on our behalf. It's a big change, and we want to do it right. We're implementing strict cleaning and social distancing measures for our staff in the store and for our curbside pickup protocols, and making sure the store is set up to keep things efficient, clean, and safe. More information about curbside pickup and updated information about website orders will be posted to our website, skylightbooks.com, by Wednesday morning. That's it for me this week. Thank you, as always, for your online orders, your participation in our virtual events series, and now for your donations. We appreciate everything you're doing to keep us in business. Um, hi, this is Ingrid. Um, I am usually pretty skeptical about how I um, choose literature because I stay away from fiction and not because I don't like fiction, it's just uh, I usually prefer nonfiction, poetry. So when I came um, upon this book by Margot Fragoso, which uh, is uh, entitled Tiger, Tiger, it really spoke to me. Um, it's about sexual abuse, a lengthy childhood relationship with a pedophile. Um, she decided to write this book after he committed suicide and um, a lot of people just sort of look at this book like she was feeding the sort of Lolita um, persona which for me it was more like it was a really well written book about something that is horrific and she put a twist on it that I think a lot of writers would not be able to do. Um, my recommendations usually uh, are a bit um, strange because I don't um, enjoy things that necessarily, you know, 
make you feel good, but what it does do, it does make you sort of give you portals into the kinds of people and the kinds of situations and maybe um, a glimpse into why people behave in the ways that they behave. Sometimes that's what literature does. Um, for me, this book really spoke about how we can be manipulated into thinking that certain behaviors are absolutely normal because they are derived from such a young age that there's, you know, you, you have nothing to compare it to. Um, I think I remember reading that she herself uh, has already passed away as well. And um, that makes me really sad. I don't want to even look at why she passed away or how, just because I want to keep this book in my mind as a story of survival and of living with demons while going into the world and understanding that you will forever be faced with them. But it's a matter of, will you let them win? All right, hello everybody. Welcome to the new episode of The Hand Cell. Um, we have invited another bookseller friend on the podcast today. Uh, today we have Liz, who's a bookseller at East Bay Booksellers up in Oakland. Hi, Liz. Hi. How you doing? I'm pretty good. Hanging in. You're working in the store today? I am in the store. Um, haven't been super productive yet, but later I will print a lot of shipping labels. You're doing, that you're doing the work, the good work. Yeah, the work. <laughs> Um, well, Liz, can you tell us a little bit about East Bay Booksellers for our listeners who might not know? Yeah, um, we're in Oakland. Um, we're in the Rockridge neighborhood of Oakland, um, which is kind of near Community College of Arts, uh, former, well, former campus, and um, a neat little intersection of kind of, I don't know, art design. Um, there's a lot of really cool restaurants over here. So our customers are kind of a really interesting mix of people. And I think as such, the store is a really interesting mix of books. Also, we all contribute to the buying. So it ends up being a neat reflection of, of the individual tastes of the booksellers, which is really broad. And um, I don't wanna say quirky, cause that's kind of annoying, but <laughs> definitely <laughs> unique. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I used to live uh, really close to your store, and I remember coming in and looking at, you guys do these, like, face-out small press displays. Oh, yeah. Um, and I discovered okay. all kinds of amazing stuff there, including Brian Evanson, my favorite short story writer of all time. Um, I, I think love I, that. I think I had a whole conversation with Brad about the covers. Um, this is before he knew who I was. It was just some, uh -huh. some, some girl. <laughs> Um, yeah. and I have, I've been obsessed ever since. So that was thanks to you guys. They're, they're the best, um, small press. I mean, small press distribution is so cool and it's so awesome having them really close by and having these little displays is just the best because they're the coolest little books. People are definitely attracted to them because they're well-designed. They're interesting. Um, most of you haven't seen them before and 
it's a good kind of um those displays are, are definitely very representative of our story so yes for sure um could you talk a little bit about like what what is east bay booksellers about like as a as a crew um as as a group of booksellers what do you guys stand for um we are we are really we're really about um community as far as like our community of the what is it five of us that are on staff and how we're taking care of each other and making sure that we're not um you know bulldozing anyone's ideas or kind of was resorting to an unnecessary hierarchy to solve problems that could be talked out in another way. Um, so that kind of building is important. And also, I think we all have a sense of purpose here, kind of in a larger scope, like what can we do to serve people through the bookstore? Can we get people with money to buy books for people who don't have any money? Can we get organizations to partner with us to buy books from us for whatever purpose? And that kind of uh, mindedness is common to all of us and it's we all bring a different thing to it. So that has been, uh, that's been the thing that's like grown the strongest since I've been with the store, I think, is like the community outreach and what that will look like. Yeah, when I think of East Bay booksellers, I do think of you all individually as booksellers. Like I kind of know you all from online, mm -hmm. um, and you all have very strong voices uh, in in the bookselling world. Um, I think you guys are often the people kind of speaking up about injustice and um, calling calling on your community um, in really important ways. And that's definitely due to like we. Yeah, we have like a very respectful um, environment here at the store to say like, if something's, if something's fucked up, you gotta just, yeah. you gotta like speak to it. You can't, you know, we, we can't be operating with this kind of, um, I think we all came from backgrounds in very different ways, whether it was book selling or not, where we were keeping a lot in. <laughs> really like holding a lot in and, um, and that's not good, gotta talk about it and like build. Yeah, I mean, I think that is one of the most important things independent bookstores can do is kind of be the space for those difficult conversations um, because yeah. we all think about these things very deeply and talk about them among ourselves. And um, we should be trying to include our customers in those conversations too. Totally. Um, can you tell us a little bit about your journey in bookselling? Like how did you become a bookseller? How did you end up at East Bay Booksellers? Yeah, um, I started selling books in 2010. Um, at the beginning of the year, um, I had had like a bunch of crappy jobs for a couple years. And I don't know, I was like, this was just another, not a crappy job. This was definitely a better job than that like admin job I had. But I was like, well, it's another job. And um, it ended up being... I was there at this store called Mysterious Galaxy in San Diego, which is a science fiction fantasy romance store. Um, mystery too, I should say. And they basically taught me how to sell books. <laughs> I like was like, I'm really, I will work hard as fuck and like I will do whatever you want and unload boxes and I don't care. And they were like, okay, well that's all well and good. But there's, we all have been doing this other thing for like, 
20 plus years, most of the staff. And that's like the trade of book selling, like how you engage with the people that come in your store and sell them books and become a person that can um, have that rapport. And I was like, all right, I'm into that. So I was there for a couple of years. I moved to San Francisco. I worked at, um, I worked at BookSync. I worked at um, Pegasus for five years, which was deeply uh, formative as well, because that was used book selling. Very different, very fun, very dirty um, and uh, dusty and um, pretty glorious and exciting, just learning a totally different aspect of the trade. And then um, kind of just through happenstance, I was in touch with Brad about something that was opening up here. And he was like, well, you know, I, this is, this is what it is. And that's kind of, I had no reason to change stores necessarily, but I was like, well, I'm ready for something new. So I've been lucky enough to do it just from store to store. I love asking Not booksellers exactly about. Really, but you know, just the way it's like weird alchemy. Yeah. I love, I love asking booksellers about their, their journeys in bookselling because invariably they've worked at like three or four other bookstores. Um, it it becomes kind of like a, like it is a profession. I mean, it is. And and people who really love bookselling stick around for a long time, even if they're not at the same store. And it's kind of like a wave for me. I'm like, I'm still riding it. It's still working. And like, I'm going to just keep doing it. Um, Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm curious, uh, what are some of the, the book selling secrets that you've learned from your time Mm -hmm. at Mysterious Mm -hmm. Galaxy or Pegasus? Can you share them or are they top secrets? Oh, trade secrets. No, no, definitely. Like a good secret I learned at Mysterious Galaxy was, um, people care how your store looks. <laughs> like there was a really amazing, brilliant uh, woman who worked there named Bunny. And she w- taught me so much about like how merchandising is not just like this like callous assemblage of items that you've decided to like throw in your store. It's like, if you are picking these things and you care about them and whether they're books or whatever, presenting them in a way that makes people happy and makes people excited is fun. It's, it's just fun. It makes the job more fun. And like, she also taught me that people will not respond positively to you as, um, a sort of short, uh, feminine presenting person most of the time, but like, fuck them. She was always very supportive and never made me feel like I had to be like this perfect customer service person. And it frees up this part of you to be like actually a service of service to someone. And if they're being shitty to you, you can be like, no, this isn't what I'm here for and, Mm -hmm. and not have to. So that's like a rambly way to say book selling secrets are merchandise your store. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and tap into the people who care about making the store look good because it matters to them and customers. And then the other like more like specific like like selling secret I learned at Pegasus, which is like um, you can kind of 
read a person's um, reaction to, to the things that you're um, recommending to them in a lot of ways, their face, their body, their words, whatever. Um, and my, the, the biggest thing I learned is I, I have a personal limit. I give six <laughs> uh, books to choose from unless there's, you know, whatever extenuating circumstance, but basically six titles. And then I like tell them like here, now you go sit with these. I might give them a rundown, this, 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 and this. And then it's like, you go sit with these titles, look at them, see how you feel. Mm. And I'm out of the equation now because I a, have other stuff to do. <laughs> I can't, I can't, you know, logistically, even if it's nice to spend all my time with one person. But the other thing is like, you really just want someone to guide you. I'm not going to sell you on anything. Mm. I'm just maybe going to show you what you don't want also. So that's my, my big thing is like six, give it a nice time limit, put a little effort into the cell, but also like step away. Right. And be like, all right, now you, you do a little work too. And like, I'll meet you around the other side. Yeah. I mean, I think thinking of hand selling as kind of more of a collaboration yes. is, is a good way to, to talk about it that, you know, we aren't an algorithm. We aren't going to like scientifically calculate yeah. the perfect yeah. book for you. It's actually up to you to yeah. figure out what <laughs> resonates, um, but we can give you really good options for you to kind of project yourself into and see if they resonate. Yeah, exactly. And, and if I, I often say, if none of these look good, if nothing here is working at all and you get nothing from this, come find me again and we can figure it out. And that basically never happens. So. <laughs> yeah, I will say the only time customers ask for more than more than the books you give them the first round is usually in children's books. I've found. Totally. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I'll, I'll spend like forty five minutes in the children's section with the customer sometimes. And sometimes, like that, is where you have to put in the work. You know, you have to put in the time to like get people to whatever it is. But um, a lot of times when it's someone who's like, I want a novel that's like this. I'm like, all right, well, here are some novels that are a little like that. <laughs> maybe you like, maybe you don't. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think also the people reading skill is, is not to be um, skipped over. Like that's, that's a very delicate dance yes. that you're, that you're doing as a bookseller. And that um, oh, yes. I feel like we should talk more about because it's, it's fascinating to like see a customer like click with a book in real time. Like you can just feel yeah. it happen. Um, yeah. That's the most and, satisfying um, thing. It's, it's harder for some people to pick up on cues than others. Some customers are more expressive than others, but yeah, it's, it is very fascinating because you, you totally have to, you can see them be like closed off, totally open. Mm -hmm. um, distracted and literally not listening to anything that you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that does happen too. Maybe. <laughs> uh, could you tell us a little bit about the state of the store now that um, I know you guys are shut down and processing online orders. Um, how's that going for you? And uh, are there any initiatives that you guys are working on that you're excited about? Yeah, it's going pretty good. Um, it's tiring, but it's it's, you know, it's like, it's the work at hand right now. And so, um, in that way, I'm like, I'm glad to do it. Um, when I think about the future, I'm like a little bit less, I, I don't know. <laughs> but, 
what it will look like, but um, we're excited to figure out how to just bring people back into the space to have a little time in the space for themselves or for their, whatever them as a family or a couple friends. Um, and we kind of thought maybe an appointment only type of browsing situation might be a thing. Um, like you basically would sign up for a block of time and kind of have people back in the store. And that honestly is the thing that made me the most excited for the future is, is this kind of like, Oh, okay. Our, our two o'clock appointments here, let them in and they can come look at the books. <laughs> like, that makes me, and like, obviously that is not, um, it's not where the money is. It's <laughs> no. not like super lucrative. I wouldn't want anyone to feel pressured to come in and just to buy, but I don't know. Um, that's like a, a joyful thing to think about. A financially nice thing to think about is that our customers have listened when we've told them what we need, which is beautiful. We've been like, please buy the books on our shelves. Please buy gift cards. And they've overwhelmingly responded, which is we're so grateful for. That's really great. How, how have you guys been communicating with your customers? Um, Brad has a really good um, kind of tenor with them in the email newsletter, I think, which is like through, you know, MailChimp. And um, he doesn't send out too many, but when he sends one out, I think people pay attention. Mm. Um, there's Twitter, there's Instagram, however, wherever those two, if that crosses over, I have no idea <laughs> who are fans, if there's any um, that are siloed between the two networks. But yeah, I think the main communication is, is, oddly enough truly just through the emails people get they're very receptive they like to respond and say thank you for sending this out and it's it's pretty sweet actually it's really touching uh, I have received some of Brad's emails and they are not your typical email newsletter like they're no. they're beautifully <laughs> written very in-depth and very very honest from the heart I would say it keeps it very real yeah yeah yeah, I mean, I can understand why people would respond to those. It, it, they do stand apart um, from just, you know, regular PR. Yeah, totally. Um, Which, I mean, I, I get sending out a PR thing, too, because whatever. But Brad, Brad is like, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the time to tell everyone why you better buy a fucking gift certificate. <laughs> so, <laughs> and I they listen. They do. Uh, that's great. Um, yeah, can you talk a little bit about the long term if you feel comfortable with that? Like what what you guys are looking what what is the future of, of East Bay booksellers yeah. look like? Um <clears throat> well, I think it looks like overall looks looks good in the sense that we've been um doing well enough through this that we can be like, yeah, we do have a future on the other side of this immediate shutdown. Um I think it'll look like a mix of curbside and kind of maybe some form of local delivery might might evolve. Even as I say it, I feel a little bit like, oh, I don't even know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I understand that. Um, but yeah, like an appointment browsing or kind of just gradually opening the space up again. Um, masks and gloves I think will be in the equation 
if not for, you know, a mandatory situation, just like, just to have people feel like, come back in and we can be safe and like figure out how we all feel comfortable here again. So I think the future will be obviously like very strange and different, but not that different because it's going to be all the people, all our people, you know, coming back. And I, I hope that's true for all the stores. Like everyone's just been kind of like in their little homes and now we can all kind of be like, Hey, <laughs> like, let's hang out again. So I'm, st- I'm sticking to that like hopeful version of the, the reforming of community and um, that kind of thing. And uh, trying to um, not totally put all my eggs in the version of the future basket which is like hell will come and things will get worse and worse (laughs) that could totally that could totally happen too (laughs) it could happen but it won't no I think I think um tentative um hope (laughs) at this point yeah yeah that's a good policy how have you been thinking about the kind of larger industry in the wake of this shut down. I mean, everything is, has changed in so many different ways. Um, and I think right now there's a lot of conversations happening about how we could make the industry more equitable, how, you know, publishers could support indies, uh, better than they have been, how we could divest from Amazon, those kind of things. Like, is there a particular Mm -hmm. conversation that you're following or engaged with? Well, I'm really interested in the idea of, um, Electoral politics feels like a mind fuck right now to even like bring into everything else. But I am interested in the idea of the industry getting behind Medicare for all. I think that's something that needs to um, have been happening for several years because it just affects every level of our industry. Like it affects um, people who pack and distribute books. It affects people who um, who, who work in warehouses that the books are printed in? It affects it affects everything. Like it, we we need healthcare, so the industry definitely needs to be more of a force from the top down for that. Um, definitely, a lot of voices not necessarily at the top for it. Um, so that's heartening and great. Um, and just I think there's a corporate mindset that has permeated um, this idea of an indie collaboration where the, the relationship, the tenor of the relationship between the store and the, the publisher may be warm and may be um, mutual in the sense that they make things and we sell things, but ultimately it is a corporation and they are a lot bigger and stronger than, than we are. And certainly then um, the quote unquote indie bookstore industry as a whole even. So for corporate publishers to call themselves as such um, is one thing. And then to say, maybe we don't get that kind of corporate security and the kind of creative, beautiful collaboration that exists where indie booksellers sell your products, you know? and I, it's not an either or thing. It's it's really a hard question because it's it's a question of a corporation literally becoming less of a corporation. And I don't know that that's ever happened in American history, but that's not to say it couldn't or that it might look, I don't know. Indie publishers are 
it's such a gulf between indie small press mm -hmm. and the other publishing that we have to figure out a way to like uh, bridge that um, in the coming years because just practically speaking, I don't think it can go, it can go on, but um, politically speaking, because we don't need DIY suffering just for the sake of it. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. We want people, we want people who are working so hard to get all these books translated and distributed and marketed. Like we want them to feel a little bit of the ease that is felt at these other publishers that are putting out a lot of stuff. Right. A lot of books per year. So. Yes. <laughs> you know, they're not all winners. We'll they're say not that. all winners. They're simply not. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's been interesting to kind of follow conversations about decentralizing um, mm -hmm. industry and kind of moving a lot of publishing out of New York. Um, I think in terms of putting the indies and the corporate publishers on more of a equal footing, that could certainly help. Yes. Um, because yeah, it's just, you know, having the entire publishing industry based in the most expensive city in the country um, and having entry-level publishing salaries start at, you know, $25,000. Uh, it doesn't, it, it doesn't make any sense. Like it just doesn't make sense. Yeah. <laughs> There's no way. Do you see that um, there is kind of an opening up to some of these conversations happening in the industry or do you feel like there's still work to be done? Maybe in the sense that it's, that the conversation like exists, <laughs> you know? Um, but I know I am really fortunate for the work environment that I have and for the um, kind of space I have at work to say the things that I feel about the, the industry that we work in but um I've you know it, there's been other situations in the past where it's been made clear from the top down at the store that it's like we're not we're not rocking the boat <laughs> like mm -hmm. this isn't we're not here to like shake anything up like the publishers are our beloved allies and that's the story and that's it and I think that that's a disservice um because you should you should criticize things even if you like them yeah, and we, and we have to talk about that. Happen. We have to talk about that power differential. I mean, right. you can't be like, good buddies with with a company that makes millions of dollars every year and you know is a corporation. Like, if we have... were good buddies, we'd get sixty five percent off. You know, <laughs> if we were good buddies, we would get margins that Amazon gets. I mean, buddies is a funny term because Amazon's literally like bullying them in the most insane way. But the point being you know give us a better margin <laughs> if we're really your friends yeah yeah because it, it it there's money at a corporate level that's the other thing you can't act like there isn't money to pay people who do a lot of work marketing and selling and everything like you can't act like there isn't money to pay people to you know do every aspect of of labor in you know not to get broad but any industry <laughs> Um, that's the, hopefully the conversation that's happening for our industry is like corporations gotta, you gotta pay up, <laughs> you yeah. gotta start this, like, it's the free kind of like suffering for your art intern lifestyle that a bunch of really wealthy people are going to run on is not going to happen anymore. So 
Yeah. And I mean, it's, it's just not, I, I think that we're in globally a situation where the old economic structures are starting to fail. And, mm-hmm. you know, the idea that we can make profit in this old way uh, while everything's falling apart around us, it, like it has to change and you have That's to, absurd. I mean, the publishers, I'm saying this as an individual, not as a representative of Skylight Books. Uh, <laughs> the publishers, I think, need to um, consider being in solidarity across the industry with with indie bookstores who've been doing the work to sell their books. Yep. And, um, you know, I think that business policies could change for the better if if they accept that idea. But the, the idea of profit is really keeping us um, at arm's length from each other right now. Yeah, absolutely. And um, because of our specific industry of um, the the connotations of the book industry and buying and selling books, it's all very soft language. It's buying and selling at the end of the day, you know, mm-hmm. and um, they, they rely on a labor and a service and um, the bookstore industry has not benefited from any kind of corporate influence. I don't think at all. I think it's made, it's been worse for employees and, um, thus no good for anybody. So yeah, there's gotta be a big shift, but I, uh, the cool thing though, is like, people are, I mean, people are definitely talking about it. Like there's, there's a huge number of booksellers and book people and librarians, and there's like, the conversation is all over and that's exciting. Yeah, I agree. I've been seeing a lot of it um, popping up in the last two months um, that I hadn't seen before. So there's some really cool conversations happening. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to wrap us up here, if that's all right with you. Uh, my last question is, what are you reading right now? Well, um, so right now I haven't read anything for a long time. And I'm really excited. It's like a little treat that I've been savoring. I'm going to read Kathy Valentine's memoir from University of Texas Press, um, which is called All I Ever Wanted. And Kathy Valentine, of course, is the legendary um, Go-Go's uh, member, wrote such hits as Vacation, many others. Um, and she's had a really interesting life as a working musician. And I love reading that kind of book. So stoked to get into that. Oh, that sounds so fun. All right, Liz. Well, thank you so much for uh, talking with us today. Um, For everyone who's listening, this is Liz from East Bay Booksellers. You can uh, shop with them online at eastbaybooksellers.com. Is that right? It is right. No, it's not right. ebbooksellers.com. Yeah, that's it. Okay, ebbooksellers.com. Shop online buy some gift cards, um, support this great bookstore, and uh, thank you all for listening. Thank you for listening to the Skylight Books podcast series. Please don't forget to visit our website at skylightbooks.com and make sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Also, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast for more author talks and bookseller conversations. You can find us on Podbean, iTunes, and Spotify. Stay safe and healthy, and we hope to see you back in our store soon. I see.